I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. This season, we are discussing A Court of Thorns and Roses and all of Sarah J. Mass's books. We are spoiler-friendly, so listen at your own risk. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we are talking about chapters 28, 29, and 30 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. But before we get into it, Mindy, will you please do our nerdiest vocabulary? I wanted to look into the etymology of the name Amarantha because we have brought her up quite a bit. And I just thought it'd be interesting to see what it like meant and what it was derived from. And I just, I got so much more. It comes from Greek. And the Greek word it comes from is amarantos, which means unfading. So the name of it essentially means unfading or undying. And it alludes to a mythical flower, actually, called amaranth that is said to never die or fade and is thus immortal. Hmm. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Wonder if she's, you know, I was literally thinking as I was prepping for this episode, who's our big bad right now? Um, maybe it, maybe it, oh, shame. well, I guess, but maybe it's Amarantha too. That'd be cool. So the other thing I found interesting is there actually are listed two pronunciations. Oh my gosh. And it's Amarantha. Amarantha <laughs> is Amaranthi. the correct. Amaranthi. Amarantha is the correct pronunciation. Okay, I'm just going to go on. I mean, that's just my take. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but that's what we're saying. <laughs> uh, so the other pronunciation, and I'm going to go ahead on record and say, this is wrong if you say it like this. <laughs> Amarantha. No. No. <laughs> Immediately Absolutely no. Absolutely <laughs> not. I continuously go back to how I hear it in the audiobook, and it is not Amarantha. Yeah. America on the <laughs> audiobook. It sounds like yeah. you're going to say a marathon, and yeah, then it sounds very, like you just like, well, it forgot took- what you were going to talk about. <laughs> well, and I'm sure my family thought I was weird because I had to say it with the accents the way it was written to make sure I was saying it correctly so yes no that is absolutely the wrong in way. front of your husband or in front of the mirror mirror good but I mean everybody can hear oh I was teasing you I didn't yeah <laughs> I didn't know that you actually looked in the mirror I think that's kind of great <laughs> <laughs> I have to see what my, my mouth does why <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you do when you're figuring out pronunciation it's a theater thing. Listen, that's what word nerds thing. do, okay? It a theater, it's a theater thing. It's a theater thing. If I can see myself say it, I can tell if I'm saying it I correctly. express myself with color and not words. <laughs> not so good with the words. So a couple of other things before we move on. On BehindTheName.com, it lists words that people think the name is. So like people write in, I guess, and say this name is is or it makes me think of or whatever so i just want to read off the list of words this is exciting formal oh. upper class oh wholesome nope. no <laughs> refined strange complex serious and i'm not joking nerdy oh <laughs> uh, y'all are such oh. amaranthas <laughs> just call me Amarantha. so i thought that was very interesting it was almost like it was calling to me and the final thing that I decided to do, I was like, you know what? What the hell? I'm just going to go look up on Urban Dictionary. Oh, no. So let me share these with you. I thought they were very funny. 
the first definition. Amarantha is a bitch that tortured Farah and all the High Lords, especially <laughs> Rhysand. She is probably Tamlin the Tool's mate. Aww. She worked for King of Highburn. And here is how it's used in a sentence, or in a conversation, actually. Person one, wow, that girl is such a bitch. Person two, I think the word Amarantha is more suitable. Gosh. <laughs> and then the second entry is much different a girl who is skinny and ugly but has a beautiful personality she's vegan and loves to give head (laughs) that took a turn right this i'm not done amarantha probably does like to give head no there's nothing wrong with that for the record she's no one likes her and i'm i'm saying this how it was written no one likes her she's so full of herself (laughs) skinny ugly Likes to give head and is full of herself. And vegan. And vegan, but has a good personality. Yes. Well, that is just really something. Right? <laughs> if you're skinny, ugly, and vegan, I guess your personality would have to get you somewhere. So that something's got to get you somewhere. <laughs> that in the head. <laughs> she must give good head. Oh, so anyway, that's, that's what I found out about Amarantha. So I, I think um, I'm liking this urban dictionary take. I might have to do a couple other characters. I'm never going to like be like, that is so Amarantha when I'm talking about nerdy. If I said someone was an Amarantha, it's I would mean totally bitch. bitch. Yeah. 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 I mean, sure. it doesn't even, it's Or a vegan bitchy. who gives good head. Or a vegan that gives good head. <laughs> That's just, do you think that Amarantha so... eats meat? I mean. Uh, yes. But she probably like. This is gross. She probably like peels the skin off of people she's torturing. Like, I said it was gross. I thought you were going to say something gross sexually. I was ready for that. No, that's no, that's for you. <laughs> hey, I think what I say is much more appealing than she probably peels their skin off and eats it. That's true. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Well, you know, Mindy, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to process that throughout the, throughout our time here. Um, so let's go to our nerdiest recap. And I feel very confident it's going to be me because I am not prepared. I haven't had to go <laughs> so, in like five times. Well, I, now you get to go. Oh, did it really draw me? Yes. Oh, yeah, it does say we have a winner. Oh, that's fuck. funny. Uh, well, <laughs> she was just excited about it. And then she said, oh, fuck. Well, no, I didn't she say I wanted to do it. She, I said she, I was she thought it was going to be me too. All right. I've got the timer ready. Okay. I'm ready. ready. Set. Okay, so the story continues with Feyre saying goodbye to Tamlin. Lucian's really, really pissed off that Tamlin won't give her the time to fall in love with him. So she goes home. Actually, she goes to the forest. She falls asleep. She goes home. Elaine and Nesta do not recognize her, and um, they decide to throw a ball in her honor. Meanwhile, while they're preparing, Nesta tells her that she came um, to the wall looking for her and tells her that she could never be uh, uh, glamored by Tamlin and seen. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You had like four seconds to spare. I know. Those are pretty succinct chapters. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know if you left anything out, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? We're going to make sure that you guys listen to the next hour. (laughs) Those key points. Yeah. So the first thing that happens is, you know, Feyre leaves. Tamlin sends her away. And they've just slept together. Um as a goodbye, basically like a panicked goodbye thing. I actually don't have that much to say about when she's like leaving. Um, all of my stuff is really like when she gets back home. Did you guys have anything you I wanted to talk about? Stuff. First off, first off, did anyone else picture Mary Poppins when they were j- describing what she was wearing? <laughs> <laughs> no. I had to go back and read it again. I'm like, what is this shit that they're putting on her? Like, a, I don't know. I pictured like a, 
pillbox hat and like this weird i don't know i thought of bridgerton I did too, actually. Oh, see, I didn't even go like there. that style, like, because yeah. of like the because she mentioned the parasol, which is probably what made holiday. you think of <laughs> Jolly Holiday. Um, <laughs> no, I because of like the gloves and the chiffon and the hat, and then she mentioned the parasol. Mary Poppins. Yeah, no, exactly. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I did really like Lucian's reaction to her human clothing. Yeah, yeah, I know. He was laughing at her. Well, and he was like, "That is enough." to let me know that I never want to go to the human realm. And I'm like, okay, well let's cut to a court of silver flames. And like, all you do is, is go do to that. the human realm yeah. to go hang out with Jurian and um, Vasa. Yeah. Cause you don't have anywhere else to go. Well, I mean, I was just about to say, wouldn't you be searching for some friends? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. It just made me laugh that he's like, oh, those clothes are hideous. I would never go there. Like that's going to be like your hangout spot. I mean, he but definitely okay. changes his tune though. Like he goes from like wanting to kill her to like, oh, I thought you were smarter than this. And don't go back to that human cesspit. And he's like spitting on the ground to Tamlin, like a big old redneck. I'm like, what is going on with <laughs> Lucian? Like, <laughs> I spit on your grave. <laughs> it's so weird. So I thought that was a little odd that he has, he changed his tune quite a bit yeah like, the day she shows up he's yelling at tamlin like you've ruined all of our chances why yeah. did you bring her here and now he's yelling for the same reason but the opposite exactly right? like and then still why calling, are you sending her away and you're still calling her chances. stupid which pissed me why off. why don't you think tamlin gave her a couple of more days me personally yeah. whitney the I, walking akatar <laughs> i think that he I think Reese did uh, too good of a job scaring, scaring him. him because, you know, Reese's whole point was I wanted him to feel as helpless and out of control as Amarantha made me feel so that he would get scared enough to realize that he was not going to be able to protect you. And I, I, re I think that was it. I think Tamlin was just like, there's no way I can do this. Um, and I mean, he doesn't. Right. right. Like, you know, we'll talk right. about it in a few weeks or a couple of weeks yeah. when she goes to when she goes under the mountain, you know, Tamlin does nothing to protect her. Like he doesn't even try as far as we can see as a reader. Right. right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he just knew I can't protect her. And if she save at this point, he's he loves her. And if she saves us, but Amarantha kills her. What good is that going to do? Because then I can't be with her anyway. So I'm going to. I love her enough to try to protect her. Why I feel like it's where he's coming from. He lied to her and said he'd see her again. That's I was wondering I, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm like, why? Why would he do that? Why would he? I think he thinks that she won't leave if if he tells her the truth of what he really thinks is going to happen, That's and true. I'm never going to see you again. I think that he is probably afraid that she's going to make it too difficult and like cause a ruckus and maybe attract some people right. that he doesn't want to get her That's before true. she can go back. Um, I think that maybe he's afraid that she'll try eventually um, to come back and find him and he doesn't want her to do that. I think he's just I think he's just but we know they're kind of counting on her coming back, too. So, I mean, they're in a they're in a thankless situation. Yeah, they have no right. idea what they can do to save themselves. It's so, a lose lose right. as far as they're concerned. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think that at this point, Tamlin is deciding that he's going to keep Feyre safe and just deal with the curse and just like be cursed. And that's just what he's going to do, which I mean, that's kind of a really major decision I for know. a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> what? probably would like you to do the opposite. Right. Tamlin, you, know you know what? Fuck it. I'm tired. And it's been 50 years and I just give in. Forget it's, it. It's quite a grand gesture for Feyre, 
But then there's also a lot of other people that are getting absolutely screwed in the process. I hadn't thought you know? about it that way. Yeah, yeah that w- his just stopping trying just screwed everybody over yeah it's like he either sacrifices one person for the greater good or sacrifices the greater good for one person you know what i mean i don't remember and i know we'll get to this in a couple of weeks i'm really excited to get to the under the mountain part of the book but i don't remember people being outwardly vicious to him that he didn't break the curse I feel like a lot of people hate Resand, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do as the reader. But I don't feel like there's a whole lot of like, what the dude, what the fuck, dude? You just gave up. I think that, and maybe we'll we'll notice more when we read about Under the Mountain this time because we're thinking about it. But I would imagine that people actually Under the Mountain would be too afraid because he's like Amarantha's pet, yeah, right? Like right, everybody knows true. that she's into him. Um, so kind of like Reese is kind of untouchable because he's Amarantha's whore. Tamlin would be Amarantha's yeah. pet, right? But then after Under the Mountain, I think the fact, spoiler alert, I think the fact that Tamlin is the one who kills Amarantha wins him some points back. Have do you we, know what I mean? Have we already talked about, do you think that she also raped Tamlin? While he was there? I don't know. I would, I'm interested to look for clues of that kind of thing. Right. Of like what because was really going on. Because why wouldn't she leverage that power while he was there? Well, because... We already know she does. Especially when the whole point of the curse was, I want you, but you rejected me. Right. And at, until Feyre shows back up at, under the mountain, or shows up under the mountain, Amarantha thinks that she has won. Right. So it would make sense to me that she would then like pursue a physical relationship with Tamlin, whether he wanted one or not. Right. You know, that yeah, makes I feel sense. like though, I feel like that might be like her one flaw, like that she really, like if we go with this whole thing that they're mates, like, cause we're all kind of yeah. sort of on that page. I like that. Theory. I would think that she would want it to be reciprocal. Like it's different than when she's taking it from, Resand because it's just sex. But she hasn't wanted anything to be reciprocal so far, right? She cursed him. Yeah. Because she he but didn't she like does. her. Yeah, he yeah. rejected her. Well, she, I know, I know. But I'm saying if she wanted it to be reciprocal, she could have tried to win him over instead of cursing him. That's well, true. maybe she's more socially awkward than he is. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> she maybe has less a game. match made in heaven. I don't know many... because I know that Amarantha is still having sex with Resand. Right. Under true. the mountain because he talks to Feyre. He makes a couple of comments about like, that bitch is running me ragged. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> How um, many STDs do you think are going around under the mountain? You know, I bet that the Fae have perfected some kind of magic to get rid of. They have those. a vaccine against the clap. Yeah, they can't, they can't figure out C sections, but but they will not got, get yeah. crabs or gonorrhea. They've got the chlamydia thing figured out. Yeah, they probably do. Um, I do want to go over before we leave this chapter. How'd you know? Because I was about to leave. I know. I, something I wrote down that I thought was interesting. Feyre lists all these reasons for not saying I love you to Tamlin. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to go through them, pick them apart a little bit. <laughs> Number one, she says, because of what he had to face. This was That's a quote. And I'm like calling bullshit because that really doesn't even correlate. Like, why wouldn't you? Because he's got to go face that. Well, to be fair, she doesn't know what it is. Right? Like, she still doesn't know what it is he has to face. Really. So that can't really be an excuse well, in my and, opinion and even if <laughs> even if it were a valid excuse it's not correct because right. she doesn't have all the information Cor- right you know what i mean so anyway i call bullshit on that one like she this again i, I really think this whole thing is she's just trying to make up excuses but i just thought it was I also interesting i'm not sure she 
actually loves him. Oh, I'm getting to that. Okay. I'm getting that. Carry on. <laughs> and then she says, because he might not find me again, despite his promise. Also bullshit. <laughs> if you really loved someone and thought you would never see them again, wouldn't you want them to know? Mm. Yes. Right? So, BS. <laughs> And she says, because he was immortal and she was not. And this one I almost can see because she is considering that no matter what, they can't be forever. And at least, you know, not for her. Like, you know. Right. And that's actually sort of unselfish. So that one I'll give her. <laughs> um, she didn't want to become a burden to him. And I put, newsflash, you already are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I put there that she knows what that feels like. Exactly. But he already has said he loves her. So not reciprocating that probably makes him feel worse. It's burdensome to, to be like, leave well, him hanging. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I clocked that too. The, the fact that she still thinks that she's going to burden him by telling him that she loves him. And I wrote down that she is still like, she's made a lot of progress with her confidence and her self-esteem, but she still has a long way to go. I noted that. And too. I wrote down too, cause I know the last episode we talked about how Reese calls her, um, what it was like human trash or, Something, something like, like that. that yeah and i i wondered it did his insults that kind of like reinforce what she already thinks of herself Probably. did that contribute to this moment where she's i mean she not, describes herself as just another body to defend right like does that contribute you know that an, uh, another high lord insulted her like that if did that contribute at all to her lack of confidence in this moment you yeah. know so the final thing gets to your point, Deb. She says this, and this is what it's described in when she's leaving. She says nothing and doesn't look back. And I'm like, isn't that quite the metaphor? She doesn't say I love you to Tamlin because she doesn't love him. And maybe deep down she knows that. Well, here's what I think. <laughs> Since you guys asked. <laughs> actually love to hear what, um, I, what if I don't want to hear this well, what are we going to do then plug your ears like my daughter does <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to act like a three year old <laughs> Yeah, she's very mature for her age <laughs> no I was just thinking while you were talking about that I wonder if Farah because we've talked before Farah does not have experience with relationships right like her Parents were not really an example for her. Her mom died when she was really young anyway. So she she didn't have a model for a good, healthy, romantic relationship. She's never had a good, healthy, romantic relationship. This experience with Tamlin is like all of the experience she has. So I think that she thinks that she's in love with Tamlin and that she loves Tamlin. But well, I, I don't think she thinks she does. That's I yeah. don't yeah. think... I don't think that she would be able to tell the difference between do I actually love him or not? Well, you know what, what I mean? Saying. Until she said, actually falls in love. Right. And we mm -hmm. all do that, right? Like right. you're 13 or 14 well, you and you're like, I'm so in love with him. And then you actually fall in love and you're like, oh my God. It's like, what you know, I, think? <laughs> I, it's I was like, just going flashing back and feeling your horrified. first, Your first boyfriend you thought you were in love with and now I'm like, oh, that was not love. Well, I don't know like what I was thinking. You don't realize what you really want until you realize what you don't really want. Yes. Right. But also, that's kind of why I said I feel like maybe deep down somewhere deep down maybe. like she she thinks she is but somewhere deep down she knows that he's not the one for her this isn't right like we've yeah. talked about that yeah. right like there are so many little clues that we see now as people who know that Tamlin isn't right for her that 
show that he's really not right for her you know and also like if you have to come up with five excuses why you're not saying it then that means you feel guilty for not saying it yeah right well i think too she may just know that she's being a coward in this moment you know what i mean like she knows that she i absolutely could say this and i absolutely should say this but i'm like just too scared to that's true you know and like she may be trying to justify it for herself because she doesn't want to admit that she's just being well, it scared. Would, it would make things infinitely harder, on, like emotionally, in terms mm-hmm. of her leaving if she did yeah. say it out loud. It, if she does or does not, you know, yeah, no matter what. I'm excited to read next week's in this context because Alice, I'm pretty sure, is like, you are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All you had to do is say it back. It's like, yeah. you know, this really simple thing that would yeah. have made a really big difference. But then we wouldn't have the awesome under the mountain stuff that she gets to do because she's amazing. But then she wouldn't have all as much trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, a, for, thanks for taking one for the team for our reading enjoyment. For our Paris. entertainment, yeah. Um, yeah, so then she goes home. She goes home and Nesta and Elaine are there, but her father is not there at that moment. She realizes they didn't know who she was and she's like, guys, hi, I'm your sister. And they're she like, She also was in a fucking top hat. <laughs> they were probably like, like Mary Poppins? Right, well, because the last time they had seen her, they had only been seeing her in her like hunting clothes and stuff, which I get. I mean, it's been well, months and, and months. And you know, to be fair, she she's gained weight. She's right. She, looks, she, she looks very different. So Farah mentions specifically Nesta that Nesta's cold, cunning eyes were looking at her. And I was like, first of all, you have the same eyes because you told us she told us. Yeah, you told times. us that you guys both have your mother's eyes. So I just thought it was kind of funny that she describes Nesta's eyes that way because I'm like does that mean you think your eyes are also cold and cunning or is that just because you don't like Nesta very much um, but she says about Nesta she'd been made differently from something harder and stronger than bone and blood she was as different from the humans around us as I had become and I wrote down hmm she was also made differently by the cauldron yeah when she comes out as a maid I'm going to talk more about this in a moment yeah I, I just thought that was really interesting well, and later on Feyre even describes her as beautiful imperious still and still as in like not moving you guys as, are taking my talking points. sorry as one of the whoopsies <laughs> and Deborah will talk about that later um yeah I have a lot to say about Nesta not necessarily in this moment, but in the conversation that's coming up. One thing I did notice too, and this is not about Nesta, but I just wanted to point out, she notices the human servants and she like specifically, like basically calls them out and says they're unfinished, graceless creatures of earth and blood. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, Miss Hoity Toity, go out to the Fae and you come back like, ouch. Like, yeah, like all, so it's, it's interesting. But I, th- and I think you'll probably get to this later about, the difference that well, let's just, let's just let's talk just about go. it yeah let's um, do it i don't know what we're waiting for at this point um so i did notice a lot of foreshadowing in this in this chapter and the next around Feyre and nesta becoming high fey right um we don't learn much about elaine again um it's just a reoccurring theme in these books but i wanted to point out some of the high fey qualities that they both have so i'll do Feyre first because then i want to speak a little bit on nesta after she becomes high fey and a couple of the theories around that so Feyre's fey-like qualities, and a couple of these you've already said. Um, first, she notices how boring the humans are. She says they have rounded ears and ready faces. They are unfinished, graceless creatures, which you just said, Mindy. Um, 
her sisters don't recognize her. She looks so different, but it also says that she is glowing when she looks in the mirror, which for me is symbolic of the ember of life that she's going to eventually receive. She says food is tasteless and like ash in her mouth and that her surroundings feel ordinary. Her voice even sounds different. So, you know, she says in the book that is this from Tamlin glamoring me? What is it about this that I've changed so much? But there is a theory um, that has a lot of resounding push behind it that their mother was a was a witch, or that their father is not Daddy Archeron, which we know. So um, we know mm. some of our our listeners that are close to us love when we say Daddy Archeron. So I'm just gonna <laughs> keep saying it. Yeah, but there's a lot of theories that. Um, the dad is not actually their dad, that they're already half fae and the cauldron just pushes them over the edge, which would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot yeah. of sense. I truly am like holding on to that. Yeah. Theory. Like I really feel like there's something. There. Right. So then if you go in a Nesta and, and keep that theory in mind, Feyre describes her as something harder and stronger than bone and blood. She's as different as Feyre from the humans around her. We know coming up in the chapter that she is resistant to Tamlin's glamour and Feyre even says that she's never met anyone that can be resistant to a glamour and they blame it on her being like stubborn, which doesn't really make sense. Um, It says that she's as beautiful and still is a high Fae. And we also know that all of the high Fae are highly emotional people. And even though Nesta comes off as cold and calculating, I would say she's probably the most emotional person in the house. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, She's also described as a queen without a throne. So there's some theories that she will become the mother through her connection of the mother to the cauldron. So there's a theory that whenever Nesta gets her tattoos at the end, she's completed her bargain with the cauldron. So she was able to take powers from the cauldron, but then the cauldron has to give her something back. So I'm, I'm really interested to, to hear more about yeah, that. that we know that a lot happens that's unexplained in Silver Flame. So I just want to point out again, if you've not read that book, you really, really need to. It's very important to the lore and fandom behind these books. So after being made, into the high fae by the cauldron nesta is able to summon carry and wear all of the objects that make up the dread trove so if you've not read that book yet these are magical items that carry tremendous power and previous fae rulers used the dread trove items to secure their rule so as far as we know there's only There were only three in existence before Nesta started creating some. So there is the crown, which allows the wearer to control people's minds. The harp opens portals to other dimensions in reality. So we've seen this before, right? So um, in Throne of Glass and Crescent City, both of those are described as having rifts or having portals open. And it's probably not a coincidence that in Crescent City, the instrument that opens the rift is another musical instrument called the horn. So uh, I'm, I'm, I continue, you know, with my theory on all those. I need to go back and remember what I said in like episode two. So I can, (laughs) for those of you that can't remember that far back, I can, I can remind you what my theory is. So then we've got the mask that's able to reanimate and control the dead. And then finally the sword of, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Mindy, I should have asked you for our nerdiest vocabulary, G-W-Y-D-I-O-N. I say Gwydion. Gwydion, that's what I was thinking too. Okay, so we've got the Sword of Gwydion, which is carried by Rune and then Bryce in Crescent City. And this is also thought to be a 
dread trove as well. And then Nesta creates three other weapons, Ataraxia, which glows silver flames and kills immortal creatures. And then she also creates her own dagger and her own her own great sword. So if you think about the fact that they might have already been half fey and the cauldron just pushed them over, there's a lot of theories that Nesta is going to be the most powerful being in existence yeah, by the time yeah. this is over. I would love that. Yeah, that would, that would be really cool. So be people great. better get on board. Um, so it's theorized that she'll yield enough power to open portals to other worlds and that Nesta is the mother that we keep seeing and that, again, this is not on the same timeline as the other books. So she actually has probably traveled backwards to become the mother and is kind of controlling all of these things. Very, like... I I mean, this whole space-time continuum, which might be the nerdiest thing I've ever said, (laughs) is boggling to me. But the fact that no one's seen this person's face, no one knows where she originated from, and Nesta's gearing up to be this most powerful person in existence, I think, says a lot. And that she took something from the cauldron that we see the mother depicted as pouring from all the time. So I think a lot is about to happen in these books. I wish that people could see my face I right now. <laughs> because so, I know I'm just I'm like I'm so excited about your face right now because it, it makes me feel like I'm on to something because... Well, because the mother in Silver Flames, there's definitely some kind of weird connection between the mother and Nesta because more definitely. than once yes. she hears the mother talk to her. Right. You know? Right. And so on the opposite end, because we still don't know what the mother truly does, yeah, right? Like besides power. Yeah. So in that same theory um the mother may be a death goddess or death itself so um the power from the cauldron may come from the death maiden who would be nesta so again she is the mother she's powering the cauldron which is how she's able to take something from it and create a bargain with it so um that's really interesting if we could at least get a date for the sixth book i know (laughs) I would not, feel not a lot better about or anything. Right. Yeah. I know you just had a baby and you're doing other things, but, um, you know, so yeah, I, th- I think that the fake qualities that they're both showing here are, it's just setting us up for even more craziness over the next several books. And this is only book one. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Just the, <laughs> the idea of all of that. I know that she could be the I mother. Like all, yeah. I think that's kind of cool. All those theories. Well, and I just really love Nesta. And so I really like the idea of her like, coming more into her power. Well, and I know know you wanted to talk a lot about her tonight. So like, I do thoughts are because I love Nesta too. I did a lot of kind of like connecting the dots with information that we get later about Nesta to kind of inform how I'm reading this interaction with Feyre right now, because Feyre is talking to Nesta with a very incomplete idea of who Nesta is and what Nesta does. Right. So when she first comes back home, she notices like Nesta is there. And the last time she was there before she went to Prithian, Nesta was like, I'm going to marry the Tom- Tomas Mandre guy. And so Feyre's like, oh, well, she's definitely not married. So we've talked before. Feyre does not know that Nesta broke up with that guy three days after Feyre left when Feyre said, do not marry that guy. Nesta actually listened to her and broke up with him. Rereading this, I almost started crying when Feyre asked why. And she said, because he wouldn't have been brave enough to go and find you with me. I was like, that's awful for her, for Nesta. Yes. Well, I have a lot. I have a lot. (laughs) 
I just Let's have go. a lot. I'm ready. So um, she also does, Feyre also does not know that when Nesta went to break up with Tomas, I just always call him Thomas. I don't know if that's right. It's probably not. Anyway, um, he tried to rape her when she was breaking up with him. And so then we also find out that Nesta was not glamored and that Elaine was glamored and that their father was glamored, but it didn't work on Nesta. So just think for a second, listeners <laughs> who don't like Nesta and Deborah and Mindy. Well, I mean, just listening. like think about the context of she watched her sister get abducted essentially by a giant talking, scary monster man. <laughs> She watches, I mean, I mean, that's basically what he was, right? She watches her dad and her other sister, like, flip a switch and have no idea what had happened. And Nesta is the only one who knows what is actually going on. And even says that she feels like she was going crazy. She thought she, she was crazy. I mean, again, it's heartbreaking. She saved a piece of the table that Feyre had painted that had claw marks on it. To remind it. her. Right. To, to continuously pull out of her pocket to go like, no, I am the sane one here. I Everyone know this else actually is crazy. Yeah. Yep. And the, the bitterness, you know, she, we all know she's a very, very bitter person. Sure. So the contempt that goes behind that of, you know, she already hates her father. She talks about it more at yep. length in this chapter. But just for her to be like, you guys are so fucking stupid. How did well, you fall for this? And she knows that she can't do anything about that, right? Like, it's it's magic that they think that Feyre's off with some, like, dying aunt or whatever. Like, Well, and if she says something, they're going to think she is crazy. Right. Yeah. And so Nesta is put in this really impossible situation because she knows what has happened to her sister. She's imagining the worst, most horrible things are happening to her over in Prithian because why wouldn't she think that from her perspective? And there is not a single person that is with her that is on the same page as her at all. And then she spends three days, you know, those first three days before she breaks up with the Tomas guy, thinking that she's absolutely insane, thinking that she maybe made this whole thing up and having to continually remind herself of it. Then she has somebody try to rape her and doesn't tell anybody about it. We know later on um, that I think it was in the bonus chapter. No, yes, the bonus chapter for Mist and Fury the bonus chapter that is titled wings and embers wings and ember maybe um cassian is talking to her and she like acts kind of afraid of him or something and he kind of puts two and two together immediately because he's just so good at reading people and he's like somebody hurt you who is it tell me who it is right now and i'll just like go murder them and she kind of thinks to herself about this ordeal with tomas and nobody knows that that happened like cassian is the only person that knows as far as we've been told as the reader anyway, he's the only person that knows that anything like that happened to her. And so she's been spending these months and months and months with this brand new house and this recovered wealth and this sister that's off in Prithian that she thinks is probably being murdered or tortured. And this other sister that's like, I'm going to go plant tomatoes. <laughs> and Nesta is like completely on her own, struggling with that trauma, with that stress, with that worry and like completely alone with that burden. And nobody knows that she's been dealing with that. Right. right? And even when she tells Feyre, I knew what was going on. I wasn't glamored. Like Feyre does not 
make the connection of like how difficult that must have been for Nesta. Like, you're not crazy. You know, thanks for coming to get me. Like, she does not make that connection at all. And is just like, oh, wow, maybe she does really care about me. But then she's like, oh, it's just because she's so stubborn. That's right. not a thing because I would I would say that Feyre is just as stubborn as Nesta is. Nesta's just louder percent. about it, a right? Thousand. They are so alike; it's ridiculous. And you know, Feyre goes to the town and sees Tomas and mentions how he kind of like leers at her and is looking at her in a really predatory way, and it makes her very uncomfortable. And then has the gall to be like, "I wonder why Nesta broke it off." And I'm like, are you serious? Because I re- I reread that yeah. section a couple of times because I'm like, is she being sarcastic? And I'm just like not getting it. But I don't think I think she was genuinely like, I wonder why Nesta broke up with him. Well, also just after like, he what? just I fucked your sister that's in the what middle I'm, of the street. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you just are commenting on what a creep he is. You told her not to marry him. And they were talking about looting the house just that just burned down. Yeah. Right. And so does Favor just not think that Nesta deserves better than that? Is that what it is? Maybe she just can't believe that Nesta listened to her. I think that Feyre does not think that highly of Nesta to think that Nesta would like make that positive choice for herself. You know what I mean? Like, I think she thinks that Nesta is so miserable and hates their father so much that she would be willing to put up with anything to get out of that. But she also thinks that Nesta is completely Mm self-serving. So, you know, if he's not going to give her exactly what she needs and now her father has money and stuff again, why wouldn't she break it off? Well, I'm surprised she doesn't think that. Yeah, I don't know why she doesn't think that either. But again, that's another thing that we find out way later that Feyre has no idea. And we talked about this in one of the really early episodes. When Nesta breaks up with Tomas, she has not, they have not gotten that wealth back yet. She has no idea that Tamlin is going to send all that money. So she's willing to be destitute and stay in that house and not be with somebody that would financially provide for her, you know? And then obviously when she decides to break up with him, he absolutely confirms that she made the right, right. decision by attacking her and assaulting her, you know? Um, but Hey it, guys, if you want a woman to stay with you, maybe when she breaks up with you, send her roses and tell I her mean, you're sorry. Don't rape her. Well, just, and I, will I don't feel like that has to be said out loud, but it does. Picture him like the douchebag and where the crawdads sing movie that's how i picture yeah. him too that is so funny yeah. wow yeah i actually did the same thing that's funny that we're, <laughs> they we're did a really good job of page. making that pretty guy so disgusting because yes. he's a beautiful man and they he, he is, is such a good actor yeah like gross yeah yeah um something else i just really felt i really felt for nesta like putting all of this information together and thinking about like how isolating that must have been and how lonely that must have been and how difficult it would be to keep your tether with reality thinking that you are crazy all the time you know um it just really made me feel for her and it it gives a lot of context understandable context i feel like for why she is so pissed off all the time you know and she talks about a you know, at the end of this, how much she still hates her father and even makes the comment. I think the final sentence is something like, wouldn't you have done anything for your high Lord, which 
kind of wakes Feyre up going, wait, yes, I would. But yeah. having said that, she's like, why wouldn't he have used the ships that he had to go find a cure? Why didn't he jump the wall and ask the Fae for help? Why didn't he do all these things? And so I think she is saying she had no resources and still tried to do all these things for Feyre and wasn't necessarily done trying to get Feyre back either. It doesn't sound like to me. So why couldn't her dad get off his ass and go help her mom some which I mean I don't disagree with <laughs> me well, either because can we just say something a little bit about how Feyre comes home and the first thing dad does is counts all her shit yes like what is he's up, up there fucking that? weighing her jewels and stuff I'm and then like, and yeah. then invest some of it I'm like did yeah. did you ask her because yeah. that's hers not yours I mean I had to keep reminding myself that he thinks that she's been off with like a rich aunt like living living it up right that's and true. like having a great time but wouldn't you but, miss your daughter right who, exactly like, well but he did one one good prop is that he wept like he was so happy to see her. Although maybe he was so happy to see all of the stuff that the she money. brought. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, all the money she brought back. You know, we know that Lucian's dad knows he's not his real dad. So if that theory rings true about them all being half fae, maybe he knows he's not their father. And that's why he doesn't give a fuck. But he loves, he dotes on Elaine. Well, see, my theory. Elaine's easy to dote on. Because she's a dimwit. My theory is that perhaps Elaine is the only one that is his child. Perhaps. And maybe that's why she didn't get stronger with the cauldron. Right. She got, she, well, and I don't even know if I would say she got weaker with the cauldron. No, I don't think that she did. I don't know what, I don't think we know what So far, we have not seen evidence that shows us that she got anything close to what Nesta and Feyre have. Oh. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that'll change. But as of right now we don't have that there's some new theories going around that she's a villain i know that she's working with the humans because they're promising her to give her her mortality back which that's interesting that is interesting because if you're a seer and you're being so fucking weird like she is for a little (laughs) bit you know can you imagine how terrifying that would be to be able to see stuff that, that you don't even understand because a lot of the things that she says is complete gibberish she's just yeah. reciting what yeah. she sees behind i don't know i picture closed eyes but can you imagine the trauma of dealing with that and then if someone yeah. did say hey if you help us we'll we'll take this away right you won't have to worry about it anymore right yeah I you won't totally have to see, see how that. people die you won't have to cut someone's head off you won't you know what i mean right. like she she's been traumatized too she's just handling it really differently well i actually want to talk a little bit about elaine too but before we do that i wanted to say a couple of things about what you all were just talking about um with daddy archeron um do we know his name no oh, we never find that's why i call that's him daddy weird. archeron i just thought you were being nasty <laughs> well maybe i am <laughs> but no when you were talking uh when nesta was talking about you know, he could have helped our mother. Like he could have, like you were saying, he could have done all these things. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, that's Tamlin. You know what I mean? Like you have all these resources, you have this ability and you just don't. Vera's got some daddy issues. Vera's got some daddy issues. I mean, for real, she's got some daddy issues, but I do think that there's a lot of validity to the theory that perhaps he is not their real father because we never know his name. We never know the mother's name. We assume that she is their actual mother because Feyre talks about looking like her, you know, having her eyes and stuff like that. Um, But it's very strange to me that the parents are still so 
mysterious. Like there's so many unanswered right. questions. Yeah. Yeah, and that's weird. that has to be purposeful. And I mean, I guess it could be purposeful just in the way of like, they're really like side characters that aren't that important to the story. think of how many side characters there are in the story. And you know, and we know their names. Name. Yeah. And what yeah. they look like and I what mean, type of fae they are. Right. And all there that. are so yeah. many characters in this book that I cannot keep them straight. I know, me too. Right. We, I'm like, I don't know who that person is. What quarter are they in? Where do they come from? What book were they I in? I feel like whoever her assistants and stuff, and she has like a serial killer bulletin board of <laughs> just like every single person that's ever been mentioned. With all the I mean, you have to, she has to have just a bulletin board for, you know, one for Akatar and yeah. one for Crescent City and one for Throne of, well, maybe she doesn't keep that When did she push her boards together? Well, <laughs> I know, here, right? <laughs> here is the thing, though. We know that there are a lot of similars to Throne of Glass, so I don't mm-hmm. think she's gotten rid of that bulletin no, board yet. Yeah. I mean, there are the Rune Mountains. There's I portals. Know, there's swords. There's word keys. I mean, they're very connected. Right. Clear, so, clear. I really hope we get to see Aelin again. God, I love her. Oh, I think we will. I think the fact that she said that she would like to write more, I think we absolutely will. Can I just say, um, Whitney, I don't know if I told you this. I told Mindy or maybe the other, but my daughter just finished, um, what's the book before Kingdom of Ash? Not Tower of Dawn, the other one. Empire of Storms. And comes out of her room at 1030 at night. I think she's asleep, sobbing, just sobbing. And she's like, they got married. And I'm like, are you done with the book yet? And she's like, no. And I thought she meant she had like chapters left it turns out she only had three pages and then she's like and then Maeve took her and she's like bawling and I'm like I know and she goes and you keep telling me it's gonna get worse and I just went yeah it's, <laughs> it is <laughs> just Sorry, keep the Jen. tears of flowing <laughs> she's okay so my daughter is only 15 so and this is no um judgment to other parents or anything but she's a very innocent 15 year old so I've not let her read Akatar or um the Crescent City series or from Blood and Ash or anything like that. And so I told her she could read Throne of Glass and she has even remarked about how violent it is <laughs> it really and how is, gratuitous yeah. the sex is. And I was like, <laughs> oh, honey, <laughs> you're not ready for these other books yet. <laughs> She's like, Rowan oh, and Aelin do it a lot. And I'm thinking, they did not do they it enough. Not <laughs> that much. Yeah. If only, if only. <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing I wanted to say about Nesta is just Feyre's description of her when she realizes that you know well not when she realizes but when nesta tells her i went to the wall first of all i would pay any amount of money for sarah j to write a bonus chapter of nesta and the mercenary we also don't know the mercenary's name which is very throne of glass i had completely forgotten that the mercenary comes comes back back in this way i i had not remembered that at all and i was like the mercenary because i remembered our conversation before about like you know this sad character that is still a mysterious stranger or whatever maybe important later but i would love i would love a bonus chapter of that like journey through the woods and the conversations and stuff like i would just that would be so inter- entertaining <laughs> i to don't me. really see either of them talking to each other no, I, I <laughs> no. they would have it to. was just two days of them scowling at each other <laughs> and um you know two days a rabbit on a stick and two days back though yeah so it was the, she would have been gone for almost a week plus however uh long they took looking for like a way through the wall right um but yeah, so she tells Feyre that she did that and kept keep saying it wasn't right. It wasn't right. He took you. It wasn't right. Yeah. Which I was just like, poor Net. Like how that reminded me of the she took my wings. She took my wings. The like it wasn't right. And I imagine Nesta just like muttering to herself when she's, she's the reminded- only one living with guilt that Feyre's yes, gone. Like keeping herself 
sane and like I'm not crazy everybody else is crazy it's not right it wasn't well, and right if Elaine, you know? and da- if Elaine and her dad think that Feyre has gone off with her aunt then Feyre is not starving anymore and she she's getting cared for so we right. need to be happy that isn't she's- that great right yeah. and so Nesta's like no actually he might be torturing her every yeah. day right for and all I was gonna s- little did Nesta know that she is being taken care of but sh- there's no reason for her to think that right right why would she ever assume that and I just I can I just say part of the reason they might have lost their riches um, because it sounds like their dad is a little uninhibited with his money. They're like, well, this guy showed up at the door and asked dad to, you know, refinance his money essentially, and he was hesitant for like thirty seconds, and yeah. then he did it. Sure. And I'm like, well, no wonder you don't have any food on the table if you don't think these things through. Right. Well, and not only that, they're really kind of entitled. Like this guy comes and's like. Yeah, here, do this. And, and they really kind of all, not except for Nesta, obviously, but like Elaine and her dad just believe that this is all and that they didn't do anything and it just falls in their lap. And I'm like, how entitled do you have to be? That's true. I mean, because even when she's describing being back at this estate, Elaine is literally gardening. That's all she does. Yeah. The dad is upstairs counting money. That's all he does. Elaine's like, we don't have a room for you, but you could sleep in a different room every night. Like- right, right. So he didn't, there, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to give you a job where you can be seated, Daddy Archeron. And if you, you know, do things right, you'll have food on the table. And then in three to five years, you'll get promoted, just like everyone else. <laughs> right. It's right. like it all right. just lands in their lap. But I think Tamlin also was like, for her to feel comfortable here, they're going to have to be beyond comfortable. You know, I really wish that it was a clearer timeline for us as the readers of when all these different aspects of um, Tamlin helping them happened, because we know that um, it was only a few days before they got some money back, Um, because Nesta talks about that when she's talking about um, breaking up with... uh, Tom, not Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> not Thomas. Yeah, I'm just going to call him that. But um, she's so bitter that she sits and waits to see if her dad will get up and do anything. Right. Yeah. Well, but they they get their money. They get some money back. Like, first it's the guy who's like, can you invest my money and I'll, like, pay you some. And then it's the ships that have, all, like, all of their riches yeah. were found. They didn't sink after all. <laughs> and then it's the, um, some random healer shows up and, like, helps heal his leg. And right. I'm like... What is the timeline of all of that? Because what I'm imagining is that as Tamlin is falling in love with Feyre, he's going, he's sending people back to help the family more as opposed to him doing all of that stuff up right. front. Because why would he do all of it up front? You know what I mean? this is why people want a Tamlin point of view, which dear God, please don't, <laughs> please don't. We've talked about this a million times. But well, I think a point of view, to... but not necessarily a point of view from these events. Right. Is that right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to know how or when he did those things but that is really interesting to think about that as he fell more in love with her he's like okay well and and maybe he did go ahead and do it gradually so that the community wasn't like witches right yeah you know what i mean like they could have burned them at the stake if they got their riches back too quickly fair point so let's talk about elaine for just a second so elaine is gardening and i'm just like a high roll okay she talks about this is like just a question that i had and forgot to look up but she says something about how their their dad brought her seeds or tulips from like the tulip fields she's of talking the about holland right well that's what i was 
was what like, I, that's where I went. I, I was like, that seems because we've talked specific. about when you look at the map, how it looks like you know there's Ireland, Ireland and then definitely right. Scotland, and so it would make sense that Holland. But in the is world in of Akatar, like where right. would that be? Holland. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I was like, I was just wondering, like, is there are is there a tulip field or something in like Throne of Glass somewhere or in Crescent City somewhere that's mentioned oh, or important because i was I'll have to think that, about that that stood out to listeners, me listeners if you've if you have if you're remembering there was a flower field anywhere please shoot us a message yeah, like yeah. i just i felt it, it felt like the kind of thing that has a connection to one of the other books and i'm just not sure that it actually does or not well I and forgot. i do like the hope that Farah felt in that moment of like oh my gosh we actually could travel and go yeah yes. that was look at that. that was a sweet moment you know i actually wrote that down because um i was like it's kind of interesting to me that she is thinking about going on these trips with Elaine because in that moment it's like Tamlin and the spring court kind of evaporate for just a second because she's so obsessed in her mind like all she's thinking about is Tamlin and what is Tamlin doing and is he okay and is he really going to come back for me and am I really going to see him again like she's just constantly on a loop thinking about that except for that moment yeah. and I just thought that was really interesting because it's a little bit of like a break of that kind of obsessive ob- I thought it was a little weird really. too that she kind of went there. Yeah, like just all of a sudden. But I, I th- also thought the him, same as you. you know? Like, oh, that's so sweet. Like she feels like she can do that now. But it what it did stand out to me as something that was a little off. I'd yeah. like to pay attention moving forward and see how people feel and change their mind about things around Elaine. Mm-hmm. because yeah. it is weird how she suddenly was just like, Oh, I'm not sad right now. Let's go and look at the tulips. You know, I, that's really odd that that happened. Well, and while they're there, she, Elaine says like, I'm worried about Nesta. And that's when I wrote my big list that I went over earlier about like, Nesta's going through a lot. I wrote down, um, she's dealing with a lot that no one knows about. Sorry. She's bitchy. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Elaine. Yeah. But I wonder if maybe she wanted to talk about Nesta and Elaine is like pulling Feyre aside to give her that opportunity or something. But I think that's probably giving Elaine too much credit. I definitely think that's giving Elaine too much credit. <laughs> I think Elaine's like, she's fucking your problem now. Like, like I've been dealing bitch. with her this whole time you've been gone. So have at it. Like, I really, I really don't. Do you think that if, if we go to quote unquote present time in the book, so the end of book five, do you think it's ever... Elaine has ever started to understand that Nesta was going through all this by herself. Do you think Elaine gets it? No. Or do I you don't think, think Nesta... anybody but Cassian gets it. No. Right. Truly. Right. I mean, because you would think Elaine would look back and go, oh my God, I didn't see all that stuff happening to Nesta and I'm so sorry. But instead she's like, there's ravens at flight. I don't <laughs> remember what she says. It's something. Will I hear the earthworms digging through the earth? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's crazier than there's ravens at flight. <laughs> Well, no, because as far as I remember in all of the books, the only people that Nesta talks to about um, Tomas is Cassian. And I don't even think that she really tells him anything, really. And she talks about it a little bit, I think, with um, the Valkyries. Well, you know that Cassian gabs to Asriel and Resand about everything, though. Well, but like... 
I don't think anybody ever finds that out. Like, right. I don't think Feyre and Elaine have any concept that that happened at all. But I mean, I'm talking more about Elaine realizing that Nesta wasn't glamoured the no, whole time. No, that's what I was saying earlier about Feyre. Like, she straight up tells Feyre that she wasn't glamoured. And Feyre, like, doesn't put it together. And even when you think about book three... I'm not sure I had put it together until you said that. I hadn't until this yeah. read. Until, like, just thinking about, like, how how shall I defend Nesta today? <laughs> And then it was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot that she's had to deal with. But, you know, you think about um, book three, Wings and Ruin, and Feyre and Nesta still have a very, like, fraught relationship. And they're trying to work through it a little bit, and it's not super going great. And Feyre is still kind of stuck on... Like, why are you always such a bitch to me? Why are you always so mean to me? Why are you all, like, it's still about her, right? And like how Nesta, how she feels Nesta is treating her. And it's not at all about trying to understand, like, why are you, like, really, why are you this way? It's more like, why do you treat me that Does way? Does anyone you know? ever ask that, though? Like, if you really think about it, I remember. Um, like, in general, in, in life. Well, in life, yeah, right? No. I remember. We're all very self-centered. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just saying people don't know how to react to trauma. I I remember precisely a moment that I had uh, probably six months after my son was born, I had had, I was grieving. Um, and I remember thinking that some people had started to distance themselves from me. And I remember thinking, why don't you ask why I'm acting this way? Because you're not going to go to someone and go, I'm grieving and I really could use a right. friend. Like, you're not going to say that. People just assume that you've got a stick up your ass, right? right? right. For the record, the two of you never backed away. You stuck through my bitchiness until I got on antidepressants and saw a therapist. <laughs> so thank you so much. That's because I'm also a bitch. <laughs> And and not depressed. And I'm also medicated. <laughs> I mean, really, the, all three of us are. So. No, but seriously, <laughs> like there, you do have a moment where you're like, no, how come nobody notices that you need them to ask? And it's because mm -hmm. pe you do. It's just humanity where you get stuck in your own yes. stuff. There's always something going on with someone, you mm -hmm. know, and, and it. I think it's too easy to be like, well, your shit is not as hard as my shit. And yeah. sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But whatever you're going through is what's haunting you the most at that time. So I think that's why so many of the characters in the book books and therefore the fans have such a problem with Nesta because truly Cassian is really the only character that doesn't just look at Nesta's behavior but looks at Nesta, right? Like everybody else is in the books are just concerned with how Nesta is treating everybody else. And Cassian is the only one that's like, no, she's hurting. She needs help, you know? And I think that's why so many of the fans have a hard time with Nesta because their favorite characters have a hard time with Nesta. You know what I right. mean? Um, but I did want to bring up a question about Elaine because when Feyre and Elaine are talking out there in that little garden, um, which by the way, I'm very jealous of that ability because I wish that I knew how to garden. So maybe that's part of why I don't like I really, Elaine. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> honest i gardening i know that people that are really good at it and love it like love it and get yeah. into it and i guess that's what you could say about any kind of right. hobby that you have right but i don't get it i, I just don't. i would love to be able to like grow my own i kill like, everything or whatever, yeah, I, but, I have a brown thumb but anyway um so she says Feyre says elaine had come alive 
She is proud to be her sister, her generous, loving, and kind sister. She thinks that Elaine is stronger than her because she saw their old cottage as a prison, but Elaine never gave up hope. And I really just wonder what you guys think about all that. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) Yes, that is correct. (laughs) I think what Feyre is saying is she wished that she could have had a scope of hope that Elaine had in that moment because she spent a lot of her life being very, very unhappy. But I would, you know, so much about these stories has to do with fate and destiny and mates and all that. And I think that Feyre was nowhere near fulfilling her destiny. So she felt empty. Right. Well, but and Elaine could look at that with hope because she was being taken care of by Feyre. Right. Like you got to think about like really the only difference between how she lived in the cottage and how she lives now is money and status. That's true. Has this same sort of like, uh, like off. What is it like? (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, I don't know, like head in the clouds, I guess. I don't know. But she was so oblivious to Feyre's sacrifice. Like, I felt like it was a little bit of an insult to Farah to say, I wish I was back there because there was no thank you. I was you. wondering why, why did she wish that? If, because I agree with you, nothing is really different about her life except for she knows where her next meal is coming from. Yeah. And she knows that. Well, to be fair, she knew where her next meal was coming from. That's true. Farah had to figure it out. And that's you know what, what I mean? And that's where I'm going so with So why it. would like, she want to go back, Min? Why do you think? Well, she says something about she kind of describes it. She says, I, I, sometimes I miss it because cause she's talking about like the season and like all the stuff that they have Here, to I've do. Here, I've got it. If we were as rich as this house suggested, there would be, there would surely be plenty of families willing to overlook the stain of our poverty. no, but it made me made me wish for those years again, even with the hunger and cold. This house feels so big sometimes, and father is always busy, and Nesta dot dot dot. So yeah, so Nesta was doting on her. It's the closeness. Yeah. Like what she perceived as closeness. I still though, I still hate her. <laughs> well, I just She didn't thank Feyre. She never said, by the way, thank you for taking care all of I me have all to those say- years. Is knowing Sarah J. Mass in two or three years, we're going to be like, okay, guys, don't hate Elaine. I know, <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> I know I'm going to eat my words. Eventually, I'm going to be like, okay, guys, I am a um, an Elaine defender. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you think about like Farah comes and gets this money, and while her dad's counting it, says, "Sure, I'll give you some," and then promptly puts a bunch in bags and goes and takes it to the poor. Did Elaine do that? No, she fucking planted a garden. See, and that's where when she says like Elaine had really come alive, I'm like, with money? Because that's really like she was planting a garden in the yeah. in the other house, right? Like and she was doing all those same same activities, just the limited way that she could do it because she didn't have money. Right. And kinda like you guys are saying, like really what's different about her life is is wealth. And so I could come alive too if I had all the money in the world that I needed and to buy people books. to do the things that you know what I mean? Yeah. Like servants to clean my house oh, and all that books. stuff. Oh, wow. Like I mean, yeah, I would come alive too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I wonder if the cauldron only brings out what you already have, right? So what if, let's just say Elaine had some sort of psychic ability before that was very under the radar, right? Maybe she had a lot of deja vu or something like that. Everyone says when you have those types of abilities, there's more than one 
path, right? So maybe this was the path that she knew was going to be the most comfortable. So she did come alive during that time. Whereas the path previously, even though she had some hope, she wasn't really this, you know, over the top excited person because it was the path that led to further destitution. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just a thought that she could have some underlying ability. She doesn't quite understand. Well, and even if she doesn't have actual abilities, I could see how being optimistic and being hopeful could be connected to like a seer's ability because to be hopeful is to kind of like see something that isn't there. You know what I mean? Like to be able to look for the future, like to be able to look into the future and have a vision of what you want it to be or whatever. Like I could kind of see how you could like work that into a seer. Or she just went from being vapid and clueless to having a clue about the future. Maybe. But for for anyone that's listening, if you want to hate on Whitney for saying she would come alive with money too, any of you that say that that's not true, that's just what rich people say. (laughs) (laughs) I I think everybody would agree with that. You know, like you're you're taking uh, Elaine's stress, any stress that she may have had about worrying about Feyre safety out in the the woods or whatever, like worrying if they were going to be able to buy her new shoes or whatever, like that stress is gone. You know what I mean? But I think to Mindy's point is she wasn't that stressed out about it. No, I agree. No, I agree. But yeah, I just, it really bothered me. Like that little section really bothered me. Cause I'm like, first of all, why is Elaine coming alive? Like really, what is it that, and all I see is the money. And so I just, I don't really like that. And, you know, I'm so proud to be her sister, but her reasons are like, she's nice. Yeah, But it makes me wonder, because if we're going by what Elaine likes, right? She Mm -hmm. wants someone to dote on her. She wants someone to take care of her, someone to make her meals. She just wants a garden to plant. So when she goes to Valaris, she could have quite easily just married Lucian and been taken care of the rest of her life. So it's a little scary for me to think of what she sees Mm. that she doesn't automatically fall right back into that because that's what makes her comfortable and quote unquote makes her come alive. So why isn't she taking that route with Lucian? Maybe the cauldron took something from her more than we know. Maybe it took her hope. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What if the cauldron just caused like complete depression? Wouldn't that be horrible? (laughs) I mean, it pretty much kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I I had a hard time, you know, Feyre's proud to be Elaine's sister because Elaine is like pleasant and growing a garden, but she did not have that same reaction to the sister that braved the forest and hired a kind of freaky mercenary and tried to find a way into Prithian to save her. Like it just bothered me that, that you can't say I'm proud of Nesta for like doing that. That's very courageous. I almost feel like her not saying it about Nesta says a lot more though. The fact, I think she's so shocked by Nesta's actions that she doesn't really know how to digest that in the moment. No, I think that's true. And Nesta honestly is still being kind of nasty to her. She's going through a lot, Deborah. <laughs> I, I, and I agree. I agree with you 100%. But Elaine is, you know, wanting her around and wanting to spend time with her. And Nesta standing at a tree staring at the field. Like, again, we know why. Yeah. And and I'm not discounting that by any means. And Feyre doesn't know any of those things exactly. that we talked about. She yeah. just thinks that she's even says something like the same cold eyes that have always looked at me yeah. gazed upon me when I got out of the carriage. Right. Yeah. So I want I it makes me think that Nesta's like, well, what the fuck happened that you're back here? Like, what is happening that I'm not even allowed to talk to you about right now. 
Well, and Nesta has been so worried about all these horrible things that could be happening to Feyre. And Feyre just showed up looking amazing and like very well taken care of. So I can imagine that Nesta is probably like, I have been literally losing my mind and thinking that I'm insane because I thought you were being like slowly murdered and tortured to death. And now you like clearly have been having a great time. So do you think I just had this epiphany? Do you think the glow that Feyre is talking about is her posto? I mean, she's like, I was glowing and my skin was alive. And I, I assumed that it was like a remnant magic. Oh, or something. I agree completely. But like, we're talking about how great she looks. Well, I mean, she I just guess got, yeah. she finally had good the sex. F, the FF. FF. Yeah. yeah. The FF she was that still she was FF. fast forward for me. <laughs> right. And that's on a previous episode. If you don't remember what we're talking yeah. about. It's fast forward. VCR, fast forward yeah. to being freshly <laughs> fucked. Video, video cassette tape. <laughs> Let's talk about Feyre just a little bit. I just wanted to point out a couple of things and maybe you guys have other things too, but she went straight from, she goes to the cottage to like, after she talks to Elaine about it and is thinking, you know, Elaine was so hopeful about it and I wasn't, she goes and checks it out and is like, well, I mean, it just looks like an ordinary house. Like I thought it was like some cursed haunted house or basically. And then she goes to the poor part of the village basically and gives away a bunch of the money, if not all of it. I think she gives away all of it actually. Maybe that was just my assumption, but, um, she doesn't keep any excess. Right. And it made me think of when she goes to the spring court for the first time, like the first couple of days and she just sees how much he has and is thinking like how many people this could feed and how many houses this could build. And she does not keep that, that excess for herself. Like her family already has much, much more than they really need. And I thought that was a really good, like, sign I guess a sign of her growth that she isn't like I know what it's like to be destitute so I'm going to keep everything I have so it doesn't ha- ever happen again but she's still willing to be compassionate and give to other people I, I think that. it's also continuity and consistency of character that mm-hmm. she yeah. you know sees that and is like appalled by it almost and then you know kind of lives walks the walk right yeah it's yeah. some integrity yeah yeah integrity of her character um and let's talk about her seeing isaac hale with his new wife with his plump wife what the hell was that i it felt kind of bitchy <laughs> honestly did. like a little bit like, of a well, dig he couldn't have my skinny ass so he cut <laughs> right some i don't plump lady i don't like, know what? if if it was meant to be kind of self-deprecating like i was so emaciated and unhealthy maybe, and maybe she's obviously like he's taking care of her i don't know i, I thought that was weird too <laughs> but i she has this like closure moment with Isaac where like they see each other and they lock eyes. And instead of going and rolling around in the hay, (laughs) they're just like, yes, hello. (laughs) And then they walk away and I'm just like, does she really need that moment? I was just about to say, I don't really understand why that moment was in the book. I don't either. It does seem very extraneous. Well, because she makes such a big deal about how, she and Isaac are not in love. She and Isaac do not have a relationship. They are not together. They just have sex. That's all it is. And she's so specific about that, that it's like, okay, but this closure moment feels like the end of like a rom-com where the, uh, where like you think they're going to end up together, but they don't. And they are happy for each other anyway. And it's kind of very unsatisfying. It goes back to our nineties rom-com. Yes, right. Yes. Like I'm thinking about a couple of different movies where I'm like, wait, you guys don't end up together at the end. Like it felt like those kind of moments. I do think the only thing I can think of that would make it sort of insert itself into the story here is that there was that moment. She did talk about how, when they would, there were some moments where they didn't just roll in the hay. Like they, when they first met or when they first started talking, they sort of, um, 
got this, they sort of uh, could relate to each other. Yeah. Like that they were both going through like the, they did talk. Yeah. You know, I mean, they did have like some similarities as far as like, neither of them had a great life and all that. So maybe the only thing I can think of is that she thinks she's found not necessarily love, but she's found somebody yeah, and that she More sees meaningful. that he also has found that and that makes her happy that he's found what she thinks she's found. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of, but it's very extraneous and it's very quick. It's not something. The only reason I think that is because I literally thought about it too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not it's something just, that seemed necessary at all. I'm glad that you guys thought that too. Cause I'm like, am I missing something? Like, is my heart three sizes too small or something <laughs> like that? Um, but yeah, the only other thing really that I marked down is the very, very end um, that you mentioned earlier, Deb, when Nesta, the very end of chapter 30, when Nesta says you would have gone to the ends of the earth to save your high Lord. And I just wrote down like this coupled with, you know, the next chapter when she finds out what happened with Claire Better's family, like she's already heard that, but she doesn't realize that it's Claire Better that that happened to that comment by Nesta really is what pushes her to turn right back around and go back to the spring court for Tamlin, which then further sets in motion like the rest of her entire life. And I don't think I've ever noticed that before that it's Nesta that pushes her to do that. And I just thought that was really special. I think Nesta knew that her coming back was not ultimately what she was fated to do. She was definitely Nesta said, like, I think your home is far away from here. Like she, she saw very clearly that, something had changed Feyre and that right. she did not want to be back home. Can I also point out that Nesta's the only one that wanted to spend time with Feyre on her own means, right? Like yeah. she asked Feyre to teach her how to paint. Yeah, yes. I loved that moment I too. really liked that moment a lot. And, and Feyre even says like, this is not going to fucking work. This yeah. is like, well, she's but understanding, she anyway. right, she's yeah. understanding brushstrokes, but she's not understanding the emotion that goes behind painting and expressing yourself in this way. But Elaine was like, you can come sit in the garden. Her dad's like, you can watch me count money. Yeah. And Nesta's like, well, I'll just come with you to a so studio. You yeah. want to do. Right. Yeah. right. Right. And it reminded me of um, some of those scenes with Tamlin where it's like, he's showing an interest in her life. He's asking her questions. He's taking her to the gallery because that's what she wants to do. And Nesta's having that same kind of like, I'm interested in your life. Like, I want to spend this time with you doing something that you care about. I wonder if Nesta not being glamored made her realize how much she had fucked things up. And so she was making a concentrated effort to be a friend to Feyre. I think... Yes, I think definitely because one of the major themes of her, of Nesta's you know POV book, the Silver Court of Silver Flames, is how much Nesta hates herself. Right, like that that ultimately is at the core of every you know bitchy comment and snide remark that Nesta ever says to anybody is that she's trying to push everybody away because she knows or she believes, I won't say she knows because I don't think it's true, but she believes that she is such a horrible person and everybody's going to figure that out and leave her anyway. So I might as well just make right. it faster and push and to them be away. Clear, sometimes she is a horrible person. hundred percent. Sometimes she has really, really good intentions like yes. here in right. this chapter. Well, and I think a lot of the times when she is being a horrible person, it's 
because I'm going to push you away so that when you decide I'm terrible, I'm just going to show you right off that I'm terrible so that you don't like leave me when you figure it out. You can just never be with me in the first place. That's what PTSD and depression does to someone though. But it was really nice to see because I had completely forgotten that moment too that she asks Feyre to teach her how to paint. Like that's, nobody does that. Well, I want to be clear because you've heard us say on this podcast a million times that we are fans of Nesta and, and we do think that she deserves a book of her own. If you've not read that book yet, Nesta does not really become a better person. No, not You really just no. understand her better. Yeah. And some people have finished it and even said, hey, look, I still don't like her. I don't think you're supposed to. She's mm-hmm. not a very likable person. She's extremely loyal. She has Gwen and she has Emery at the end. And she started to get in with the inner circle mm-hmm. just a little bit. But she wants a very close group of friends instead of having one million acquaintances, which, quite frankly, I can understand a lot more I than I think a lot of too. people can. Yeah. Right. Well, and she also wants... Just like Feyre in this book, she wants an identity outside of her family, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the inner circle for her is kind of tainted because that's Feyre's. That's right. Feyre's family, right? right? Like, that's Feyre's court. And I understand that, too. Like, I, make a name for yourself. Yeah. Not connected to To your sister you, who's the high lady. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the people you've always been connected right. with. And, like, you can't unconnect yourself from your sister, right? But right. you can find a new group, like, your own group of friends, yeah. which is exactly what she does. But. I can't wait to learn more about Gwen and Emery. That makes me, me so too. excited. Yeah. I really like them a lot. Oh, the Valkyries. That'll be season 37 of our nerdy thing. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Eventually we'll get there. In in twenty forty when the next book comes out. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. It feels like it'll be that long. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? I just want to tack on one thing that just because it's something that I've been sort of noticing as I read through. And I think I mentioned several podcasts ago about the shadow that Feyre sees in her dreams. Yeah. And that I kind of mentioned maybe it's Reese. I th- or maybe it's just part of the mating bond. We've talked a lot about like what that could be. And it really stood out to me in these chapters In the three chapters that we read at least four times. She says the word shadow. She talks about this shadow. Hmm. So she starts by saying she like, she believes she's made a mistake following Tamlin's orders. This was like in the very beginning because she had, she'd always clung to what the surreal told her stay with the high Lord. So she feels like she made a mistake because she's going against that. And within that sort of notion, she describes this sensation as a darkening shadow within her Mm. when she's thinking about this, making this mistake. And I kind of wrote mating bond, question mark, question mark. But then it goes on and she says it again, like, like maybe when she thinks about the high Lord, it tunes into that part of her when she's thinking of that, that tunes into that part of her that, that 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 bond and then so she feels this shadow or i don't this is totally me speculating but it continues to plague her even making it so that she doesn't want to paint because she talks about how when she's going through and she feels like the shadow's looking over her and she doesn't even want to paint anymore and this is before i would wonder if this is when reese is having a significantly difficult time and that's what i'm thinking too um and then later the very last i think it's the last time she describes it as the shadow in my heart the shadow that trailed her every step Mm. and i'm like this so feels like it's part of the mating bond to me it feels like he's there in some way and like you're saying he's either he's going through something super traumatic and she feels that sort of weight and that shadow 
and maybe because she's thinking of the whole stay with the high Lord and she feels like she should have stayed with the high Lord, it taps into that mating, that high Lord and not the other high Lord. I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting. This notion of the shadow that's come up. Cause I said, when I first saw it, I was like, I'm going to watch out for the shadow. <laughs> And it, and it came I'm up quite a bit. I'm glad you are because I totally missed all that. <laughs> but I will say, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but um, Reese is going through a really traumatic event because of Claire better. Yeah. Um, that's, and we're going to talk about that next week. Um, but oh, yeah, are that, we now? That tra- <laughs> we are, guys. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about before we go into our nerdiest thing of the week? All right. Who wants to share their nerdy, their weekly nerdy thing? I'll start. So my nerdy thing this week is, it, I think I've mentioned a few times that I'm not tech or social media savvy, <laughs> um, with much to the dismay of my husband, who is an IT person. Um, so this weekend, I decided I got a notion to that I was just going to make up my own memes because people are making up these great memes, and why can't I do it too? And I spent a good three to five to seven hours. <laughs> This weekend, working on some very, I I think they're nice, but they're definitely very basic. They're funny. <laughs> they're great. They're funny. <laughs> Which we will share with you. But I, I just, that's my nerdiest thing that I spent way too much time figure, trying to figure out how to make a meme. I feel so old. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> I want to do what all the kids are doing. But I am a kid at heart, so I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Yeah. But anyway, that was, I was, it was super nerdy. I spent way too much time doing that. I have two. One of them is from tonight um, because my oldest was in a school play and I have not gotten to see him do any school plays since he started elementary school because he only did one before COVID and I had a stomach bug. Um, so I was really excited. I used to do musicals and stuff. And you can, But you can also tell that you've not been to very many elementary school plays because you're like, I was excited. And I'm no, like, no, I oh. was. It was cu- it was really cute. Um, however, you know, it was a bunch of second and third graders. Right. And so it was that level of talent and I had this epiphany and my mom was there to watch this as well. And I turned to my mom like halfway through the show and I said, so when I was in elementary school and you came to these programs, when I did them, is this the level of talent we're talking about? (laughs) And she was like, um, yeah. And I was like, I literally thought that we were amazing. my whole life thinking like we were you were amazing for second and third graders well but like i thought that we were like good you were like like sixth graders we were like professional level (laughs) and i was like this is really blowing my mind right now (laughs) i feel like it really affects it is affecting me more than it should um so there is that i felt really stupid like yes you were like the level of an eight-year-old because you were eight you know what i mean right but no i'm that, glad that, you were confident in what you were doing though. that's amazing i had confidence that i hadn't earned that's, no but the, i think that's more important I well i wish i still had that level of confidence but alas I do not. Um, And then my other nerdiest thing, Kelsey Woods. um, She's a composer. She's on Spotify and she's on TikTok. I think it's Kelsey Woods composer. Um, I've talked about her before, but she's, she writes, she has been writing songs to kind of 
go along with some of Sarah J. Mass's writing. She's written a few to go with different chapters and scenes in the Akatar books. And she is writing and shared a little bit of Nesta's Waltz from Court of Silver Flames, which is really oh. awesome. And she's writing a couple of different songs that she has shared pieces of for Aelin from Throne of Glass. And they are just so good. And they're they're just really good especially nesta's waltz um i've like watched that tiktok multiple times like (laughs) that's awesome and she shares like quotes from the scenes in the book that she's using as her inspiration that's really cool has she composed a fiddle song for you yet oh my gosh no (laughs) but i can't wait to um share that fiddle tiktok oh my god that's Hamlet fiddle tiktok last week's since we episode talked about it last week whitney was talking about how unhot a fiddle was and then she starts sending us these tiktoks about fiddles <laughs> so funny that could be my third nerdiest thing that i <laughs> that i sent that the TikTok. fiddle tiktok isn't yeah. it weird though because we always say like oh google's always listening or whatever and then you start getting tamlin fiddle tiktoks <laughs> yeah. in your algorithm yeah I've, i'll take more of them because that was really funny so <laughs> So my nerdiest thing of the week is I'm listening to this book right now called Vespertine. It's it's really an interesting book because it's about an order of nuns and it's all about religious fanaticism and possession. And Ooh. it's really, really creepy and, and interesting. And I, I think it might be this author's first book. I'll have to confirm that. But I'm really, really enjoying it. But um, she's in this carriage. She's shackled because she's possessed by this relic. And she sees Will of the Wisps. And I was like, oh, I know what those are and what that means. They're a death omen. Oh, and then, cool. then I had to stop listening because I had to, to actually do work. But um, I'm <laughs> I thought so, you were saying I, was gonna, I had to stop listening because she was going to die. Yeah. Well, no, I mean. <laughs> But I want to know who's about to die and yeah. because she talks about how they're kind of um, carefree, pointless spirits. But we all know that that's not the case. So I'm excited about this foreshadowing that's been laid. I mean, I will tell you, I love and and again, being nerdy about all of the lore that we talk about in this podcast. It really opens your eyes to what these authors are doing, oh, because sure. I think so many times we think like, oh, well, that sounds cool. It's like a little ghost echo, a will of the wisp, and it's creepy over the, the bog of the cemetery. But um, these things actually have meaning, and when you pay attention, it's really fun. Yeah. And then you start seeing it everywhere. Right, like <laughs> yeah. the fiddle or the will of the wisp. <laughs> uh, what if yeah. there was a will of the wisp playing the fiddle? Now that would be really hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I would like it still. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for today. Next week, you want to talk about the nerdiest cocktail. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's a very important thing. Even though, even you heard us pouring it. I'm so sorry, you all. This How is a very, you? very important part of the evening. <laughs> and I so, was going to let you just not do it. <laughs> I know, right? What would you have done without my cocktail? Um, so our cocktail tonight is called the Rags to Riches. It's a chai tea um, vodka cocktail, and it is posted on Instagram and on our website, ournerdiestthing.com. So we hope you enjoy it. It was really good. Thank you. Two thumbs up for me. Um. (laughs) I'm just picturing you like biting your lip and instead of like shooters, it's just like thumbs up. Uh, we should make that my new profile picture. Um, so that is it for today. Next time, we are going to be talking about chapters 31 and 32. Feyre finds out the truth about the curse. Bye, Can't everyone. Bye. Bye. For exclusive content to keep up with all things nerdy, follow us on Instagram at Our Nerdiest Thing. We post book reviews, what to read next, and our cocktail recipes. Have something nerdy that you'd like to share? 
email us at ournerdiestthing at gmail.com. This podcast is edited and produced by The Story Guides. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.